millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. Welcome to What's the Point. Thank you so much for being here, for for biking over here on your e-bike or on the city bike. So you probably know Kareem from his TikTok show, Keeping the Meter Running, where he gets into New York City cabs and tells them to keep the meter running and take them to their favorite place. Genius idea. Uh, He's an Egyptian-American comedian, artist, and media entrepreneur. He started his career at Vice. Yeah. And is now one of the founders of Nameless Network. He used to also have a podcast called First. First with Kareem Rama. First with Kareem Rama. And he also started the Museum of Pizza. I did start the Museum of Pizza. Okay, yeah, we need to talk about that because that's whole, brilliant. There's a million lives to live. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was like just a slight introduction, but we'll just get right into it because we have a lot to talk to you about. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we always start every podcast with what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success and are the two related? Okay, so I think the two are related. I'll answer that part first. I think that they're definitely related because being fulfilled is being successed. Wait, yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? Being fulfilled equals success because for me, the definition of success and fulfillment is actually probably the same thing, which is that I feel joy and independence. I think that for me, that is what I need to be happy. And I kind of equate those things with one another. And it's almost like this meme that I saw once that was like, it wasn't even a meme. It was like a nice picture on Instagram. (laughs) But I'm like so meme brained that I was like, everything's a meme. But it was like about (laughs) how it was like, remember what you wanted five years ago. And like, you have it now or it's like remember what you wanted five years ago when you didn't have it and now you have it something like about how something you prayed for i've seen that i think yeah it's like remember no it's like remember where you i don't remember what it was where you were as a kid (laughs) we get the gist remember (laughs) when you wanted what you have right now yes that's exactly we will add that to the show notes that meme yes yeah add the meme to that to that but (laughs) i think that like for me that's kind of like the definition of of fulfillment and success, you know? Uh-huh. It's like, I already feel like I have both of those things. And if it all else fails, at least I have those two things. I mean, if those two things go away, then I'll have to get them again. But I know that I'm capable of getting them. How often in your career, pre-becoming a comedian and like shifting and completely, uh, you wiped your Instagram clean, started doing, you know, full bits and stuff mm-hmm. previous to that were you feeling fulfilled were you feeling joy and independence no okay not at all i was feeling confusion and misery and being trapped and and yeah i mean i got out of the trap kind of early like you know going back to post graduation of college i got an internship doing seo and that's search engine optimization for those <laughs> that don't know. But I remember I, I like had this internship at an ad agency and I was doing SEO. And then like I graduated and I walked into the boss and I was like, yo, I want a real job. He's like, I'm gonna give you a real job. I was like, I don't want to be an SEO. He was like, you're going to be an SEO. And I was like, okay. And at the time I wanted to be like an account executive because I was like watching Mad Men and I was like, oh, like, you know, like SEO is like very like Excel spreadsheets and like keyword research. At least back then it was. I don't think it is the same anymore. But he gave me that job. I absolutely hated it. But it really paved the way for the entirety of the rest of my career, which is like thinking 
beyond what's on the surface, right? Like most people Google search something and they see the search results and they have no idea how those search results appear. And I was always an internet kid, but that was like the first professional kind of like milestone that I still use to this day. And I think it helped me get to where I am now. But back to your original question, I had a series of jobs and here's another anecdote because I'm filled with them. But I was at the gym one day. This is at that same job. I saw this like guy who was probably my age now. And he was talking to another guy in the locker room. And he's like, man, I really want to go on vacation with my family. But my boss is giving me a hard time. So I'm not going to take it. And like literally at that exact moment in time, I was like, you know what? I don't think jobs are for me. I'm out. I'm done. And so I probably had one more job after that. And then I started like becoming a consultant, right? And like just taking on my own clients. I was really young. I was like 27. No, I was like 23. What am I talking about? <laughs> and I was like, but I was doing SEO consulting and social media consulting because I was like, I don't want a job. Like, I don't want another person to tell me what I can and can't do. And then when I moved to New York, I had a job, Vice, and then I worked at the New York Times, another job. But then I quit both of those things in 2016 or maybe 2015. And I haven't had a job since then. And so that part, that part has been around for a long time, the independence, but it wasn't until I like had a early midlife crisis that I realized that I've been cosplaying as like a businessman and that I'm actually not, and that I have no interest in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing it because of the independence that, that, you know, to make my own deals, to make my own hours, to hire my own people, like to do my own projects. But I realized I could do the same thing as a, you know, entertainer or a presenter or a comedian or whatever, like Kareem Rama Enterprises is now the business, you know? Yeah. So that's a very long winded answer to your question. Yes. Okay. Your questions are very deep, layered, They're dense. but it's good. Yeah. So Smart. I'm going to bring up a quote that I saw that you said, because it relates right back into this. And I think it can really help resonate with our listeners. But you said, I'm 36. And this is the first time in my life that I'm like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do. This is what I love. I have finally arrived where I've always wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for most of us, you know, we don't find our like one thing right out of college, like, even in a society that kind of tells us like we need to like find our thing, like we have to choose subjects in college of like what we want to do. And if you drop science and you'll never be a doctor and mm -hmm. things like that. And so I think a lot of us, myself included in my 20s, I was so lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So what advice would you give to others who are like really trying to like find themselves and are really hard on themselves knowing that you found yourself in your place like later on in your 30s. Yeah, I mean if this advice is for adults, I would say stop acting like one. That is the key to figuring it out. You know when we're young, we have time to fuck around and draw and dance and pretend you're a businessman and pretend you're a teacher and pretend you're an astronaut and then we get old and then everyone's like, you can't do that. Like, don't do that. That's for kids. And I had a lack of that as a child. I didn't have any hobbies. I was always bored. It is literally like not, there's no such thing as ADD or depression or anxiety in the Arab community. So my parents were just like, oh, he's a bored kid. But I was like miserably bored you know, but no one had a solution for me. The solution was like, put me in clubs, put me in like a group for like other ADD kids or whatever, yeah. like, like help me do something other than like sit in my house and complain that I'm bored. And so I still do it. Like, so I essentially, I skipped that phase all the way through high school when I got a job at McDonald's at 14 years old, instead of being on the soccer team or whatever. So I worked and then I went to college and all I did was either party or work. And then I graduated college and all I did was work. And then I came to New York and all I did was work. And then I finally, I, I didn't get burnt out, but I got like, uh, I was call it an early midlife crisis where I was just like, holy shit, like my life is flying by. And that is when I started just like doing everything that I wanted to do and embracing cringe and just not caring at all about what anyone thought, not caring about failure, not caring if I wasn't good at it, 
not caring about anything other than am I having fun? And I've pretty much shifted my priority so that like the number one priority in my life is fun. And then the number two priority in my life is money. Wow, I love that I so, love that so much. Because Jasmine and I talk a lot about like when you become an adult, you lose your sense of playfulness and everything becomes about practicality and structure and not about fun, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you get back to your fun? So the fact that you actually had the opposite where you were like not able to be a child when you were the age of a child and now taking back those attributes in your adult life to find your passion is beautiful. Because I really do think if we took a second to step back into what was fun as a kid, then we would be able to see much more clearly on what we're meant to do. But we're so concerned about whether it's making money or status or roles or whatever it is or whatever society's expectations are of us that we like lose out on that sense of fun. Yeah. And also it's like not everything has to make you better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like all of our free time is like, let's go to the gym. Let's like do like uh whatever i mean it's just like all about optimizing yeah it's about optimize optimize, optimize optimize like this is going to make me better at this but like what about just doing something for literally no reason except for fun and that is the only thing that brought me to a path where i was like oh okay i'm having a lot of fun i mean it's the whole old adage of like do what you love and you won't have to work a day in your life like but how do you find out what you love you know what I mean? Like, how do you actually get there? And the answer is experimenting and not caring and not doing it because it's going to make you better. You know, can I ask I, you like a technical question? Did you have a financial safety net? No, I have. That's why I was stuck. For Well, because I was going to say that's especially difficult for people who don't have the support of. Yeah. So like to be able to it's bold and courageous to be like, well, I just want to have fun. Yeah. I and mean, just hope that it works out. There's still the practicality. They still <laughs> exist. But like with the hour of free time in the morning or in the afternoon or whatever, rather than go to the gym. I mean, it's a give and take, honestly. Yeah. It's like, but like, look, if I don't go to the gym for three months and instead I'm writing poems, like that's it. Like who gives like who cares? Do you write poetry? I used to. That's actually how I got to comedy. I mean, it's not like a straight path. So yeah. Um, but yeah, like I the reason that I did work so much is because I had no money and my family had no money. So like I started working at 14, haven't stopped. That 33-year-old uh moment was it was like I felt like like I actually had some great advice from my ex-wife at the time we were married. And Maybe it was around 32. And I'm always worried about money. Was always worried. About. And then she was like, dude, chill. Like, you know so many people. You've done so many things. You're not going to end up, like, on the street. Like, you're, you're fine. You know, like, not that I have $200,000 in the bank, but that I will get work. Yeah. If I want a job. I'll probably I like, and not only is it like the network, but like I've obviously proven myself as capable, you know what I mean? And so she kind of like freed me from this, just, I was like stuck in mud for yeah. so long. I mean, that's actually a phrase that they use, like stuck in the mud is a literal, oh, wow, that's weird that I just came to that metaphor, but it's a real metaphor, <laughs> but like. Stuck in the mud means that you're like burdened by financial instability. Right. And so she pretty much was like, you're not stuck in the mud. Like, you know, enough people, you are capable, you've done enough things, you have a great resume, like go try something else. There's no harm. And so that was, that was like a specific moment that I remember where I was like, you know what? She's actually right. Like, I don't really need, like, of course I need to work and make money, but like, it doesn't have to be the hundred percent focus yeah, on my life. Or a traditional path to yeah. do that. Was that something that you think you inherited from your parents, that relationship with money? Yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's definitely like, I don't know. I don't want to say it's an immigrant thing. I think it's a lot of parents, but I think it is particularly uh, potent in the immigrant community that your parents are just like work, 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 education, education, education. No fun. I remember like wanting a PlayStation when I was like 13 and my dad's like, those are for kids. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Cause and I'm I literally, not a kid. <laughs> yeah, but I was literally, I was literally like, yeah, you're right. I was like, for sure they are. And I just, I was like moved on immediately. And then he was like, let's go to Home Depot and buy some trees that you're going to dig in the yard and 
put like plant. Oh like, my okay. God. Yeah. Put me to work. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> relate. I'm a daughter of immigrants. My dad literally lived the American dream. Like Iranian American came here with nothing. I actually read that Vanity Fair article about you and it was talking about like how these cab drivers had so much wisdom. And if you meet my dad, that is like my dad's whole thing. And my dad's the type that will always sit in the front of the Uber, the front of the cab and talk to all of them and just like talk like he so relates to them because he also used to be like before where he is now, he was like working all these crazy jobs to mm-hmm. just like make a buck. And that's definitely immigrant mentality. And we've discussed this as like something so embedded in us where it's like you suck the fun out of life. Mm-hmm. What's one of your dad's adages? He always, oh, he has a lot. We need to have him on the podcast, actually. <laughs> I would say most recently, he's always, he's a big, like, trust the universe. It always takes you to somewhere better. Like, mm-hmm. one of his big things right now, or not right now, but what he often says to me is any detour is because you were expecting too little. So, like, you're going to get more than you ever asked for if you just allow the detours to happen. Mm-hmm. He's a big gratitude guy and not in like a write it down three things a day, like just lives in a state of gratitude at all times, which is wild. And trying to think of others. It's probably better. What? Just living in it rather than writing it down. Yeah, no, he's just like... We're so weird. I mean, our generation is so weird. I know. Like, well, can't you just experience? We're that's struggling. What I'm I but think. But can't you just experience the gratitude? I know. But do you it's have hard. to write like right because it becomes another check on my yeah, to do like, list. I, my it's dad like, also my gratitude. <laughs> like, do my meditation journal. My like, dad also thinks because we all were born here, no matter what we were born into, we don't have real problems, and that's, that's why we're like, <laughs> like he's always like, you guys just don't like his. At some point, my grandpa passed a year ago, but. At some point, my grandpa had, before he passed, had a stroke and he was in the hospital and like something, someone else was sick and it was like all these things happening at once. And it was like during a peak of like something with COVID, he's in the emergency room in a mask. My dad, who's like at that point, what, 67. And instead of being like, I'm dying, like this is so annoying. My dad's in the hospital. He literally goes, oh, I just kept thinking about how lucky I am to be alive and to be healthy. And I was like, you are just wired differently, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Like, it's just, they're so, yeah. I mean, I do think a part of it is like, we have the time. Like people have even said about our podcast, like not in a rude way, but sort of pointing out the obvious, like, well, we have time to think about fulfillment mm-hmm. and we have time to think about fun. Whereas our parents' generation probably didn't. Well, we have yeah. time to think about problems. Yeah. And my <laughs> my grandparents are Iraqi and they escaped Iraq for being Jewish. And one thing, you know, my grandmother, she always says is like, life goes on. Like she's had so much hardships in her life that for her, another hardship or challenge is just like, you know, life goes on. Let's like Mm -hmm. get to the next thing. Whereas me now I'm like, you know, something really hard happens and I'm like in therapy, like (laughs) talking to all my friends, like in a rut. Like, do you know what I mean? It like affects me more. like dwell in it. Right. You gotta be too blessed to be stressed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a sense of that too. And I think the contrast of it is really nice. Like having immigrant, you know, grandparents, parents, like just to put us back into perspective. like perspective. I think it's a great perspective to have, like, because our problems, I'm only speaking to the people probably listening to this podcast, right? There are people with real problems in this country, right? Of like, course. And the people listening to this podcast wanting to know about fulfillment and success and joy and whatever makes you happy, probably and insecurity. 95% of them don't have the problems that are real, like paying a mortgage or paying rent or buying food for your family or getting unemployed or like having an obsolete job. That's not really what we're talking about here, but it's, um, I lost my train of thought. No, it's all wisdom (laughs) though. No, about having perspective Uh, and parents keeping that perspective. Well, actually what kind of not worries me, but like, I'm wondering about my kids, right? Like, because I have a healthy dose, like now my parents have a much more comfortable life, like all because my dad's really put in his time. And like, I have that healthy dose of perspective because he's available to me. But Mm -hmm. like, as I raise my kids, you know, how do you keep that perspective without being negative? Like actually something similar to what you're saying about dwelling in our problems. One of my dad's adages is that he's always like, you have to believe today will be different and better than yesterday. Because if you don't, you will not survive. And my dad has gone through so much fucking shit. Like some, I mean, 
They're also master repressors, immigrants. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, they don't process. Yeah, they don't process. They yeah. just like let it go somewhere in their yeah. body. <laughs> but there is a level of like, yeah, of course, I think it's nice that we're all in our feelings, but there is a level of like, okay, yeah, like life moves on. Like you have to just believe that things are going to get better and believe in a future better than your past because mm-hmm. there is a level of too much indulgence. Well, this, it's funny because like there's so much cynicism that exists and so much end of times dialogue. And I've had an opposite reaction where I'm like, I'm just going to be optimistic about it. You know, like it's pro- it's not ignorance, like it's not ignorance is bliss, but I'm choosing optimism. Yeah. Like I'm choosing optimism. Why dwell I'm on choosing that? that eventually the right thing will happen. And I'm not living in like a denial of the existence of like bad things. I know that they're there. I've seen them. But, but you I'm, can't control them. So you the only thing you control is your attitude and, and your, your actions, reactions and, your, and yeah, actions. So sure. yeah, exactly. It's to your point, it's like stop dwelling and just like you can't control that and just live your life. There are so many little things that can make your day better yes. that we just don't do. And it's not writing three things down in a journal. It's like having a conversation with the barista that you see every single yes, day. Totally. Which like that community is missing. And I just moved to a new neighborhood like a year ago. I made it a point to like know my I, I lived in another apartment for six years. And I didn't know anyone on my block. I didn't know any of my neighbors. I met the coffee shop guy, became his friend. And it was the best part of my day. It was like knowing that this guy knows me and I would see him on the street. What's up, man? It made me feel like a little, like, I feel like that small town living has a real benefit if you live in the city. And so I made it a point a year ago when I moved to my place, I was like, I'm going to talk to every person on my block. And so now I'm friends with like the lady that tends the garden, which is right next to my building. I'm friends with my neighbor, Daryl. I'm friends with my neighbor, Joe, who unfortunately, RIP, recently passed away. So sad. I'm friends with the bodega guys across the street. Like, it's just like my little four corner area. Like I've made it a point to be like, hey guys, I'm Kareem. If you need anything, Holler at a player. So why do you think that a lot of people don't do that? Do you think it's they have this like better than complex and they're on a pedestal compared to their neighborhood like barista or whatnot? Or do you think they just are so engrossed into their own lives that they just don't even take a second to come out? Like, what is it? I think it's like a lack of awareness. You know what I mean? Like, it's like everybody has main character syndrome and their problems are bigger than everyone else's and they don't (laughs) even want to listen to anyone else's problems and get into a habit and you forget. Like, once you start doing it, it becomes automatic like any other habit. But you have to like decide that you want to start doing it. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, New York City is like, I'm not going to do that to everyone because <laughs> it's like a yeah. hostile environment. But if I'm going to see my bodega guy every day yeah. for the next 10 years, I'm going to be his friend. Yeah, totally. And I want to be his friend. Well, definitely. So like from a, to, obviously that question was pointed at Kareem, but I'm reading this IFS book, like Internal Family Systems. And it talks about how if they put schizophrenic people in like smaller towns that have more of a community vibe and like less distraction of like an urban city and screens and advertising, et cetera, they thrive Mm -hmm. and they're less activated. And so a part of that is the reason this book is talking about it because it talks about how our distractions, literally our phones, whatever it is that's distracting us as humans is getting in the way of our like ability to be intimate Mm -hmm. and just like constantly comparing yourself. So like from a very you know, psychological perspective, the reason is that we're distracted. And like, mm-hmm. we, I don't think we have the wherewithal. Like I went to this visionary women event in LA on Women's Day and Maria Shriver spoke. And what I loved is she's like, you guys are all just like living in this generation where you have to invent Facebook by 30 and like Forbes 30 under 30 and have the blue check mark and do this and do that. But like, that's not what makes someone visionary. Like Mm -hmm. what makes someone visionary is seeing the person who's in the elevator with you and holding the door for someone and seeing your barista and making those conversations. And like that is being visionary and you don't need to like start a company or have a million followers or like do any of these things to be of value in your community. And that really resonated with me because it's something that I've definitely struggled with where I'm like, if I'm not doing something big and impactful, then I'm a waste of space. It's also a fairly unique American problem. 
Yes. Because it's a very individualistic society. Mm -hmm. And there's not really, unless there's a law, right? Mm -hmm. There's not really a reason to do anything for anyone else. And so like, <laughs> there's a hey, yeah, it's like no smoking. Mm -hmm. And people are like, okay. But like, if you could smoke, people would smoke everywhere and not give a shit about if anyone else cares or not. Or, you know what I mean? If there's yeah. an elderly or pregnant like person next to them, like they would just smoke anyways. In other places, I'm, I'm just going to use like Japan as a reference because I've been there. I mean, it's just a touch point. But like in Japan, it's about creating a harmonious society. And like you might have a little bit of what's the word like uh, an annoyance, but it's at the uh, sacrifice to create a better overall society and a better overall environment. Right. Like it's like you have to care. Like there's no trash cans in Tokyo. There's literally no trash cans on the street. Really? But there's also no litter. And the reason is because everyone carries their trash in their backpack and then they go home and they put their trash in their trash can. And it was like there. The reason that they did is that in like I think it was the eighties or nineties, there were Japanese terrorists and they were putting bombs in garbage cans, and they pretty much had a vote. And they're like, "What should we do?" And the citizens were just like, "Get rid of the garbage cans." Imagine what would happen if they got rid of the garbage cans in, in New America. York. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I mean, we don't even need. I'll never forget. Actually, when I lived here, I was walking in Soho during lunch, and this guy had a full like lunch container. And just dropped it on the floor as though the city was his. Oh. And I I don't know if I would do this today, but I like went after him. I like went and I like tugged him and I was don't like, this tug. is not your. I was so upset. I was like, I just yeah. like tapped the, you know, it was maybe a little aggressive, but I was like, I was so in disbelief. It's, I was like, that's so disrespectful to the earth, to the people around you. Like, how do you not have any consideration? Like, it was just so spoiled. I think that's just Americans in general are much more self-interested and into their own main character energy, mm -hmm. how you want to call it. But there's so many cultures around the world, like Japan and a lot of the Asian cultures, especially, that community is everything for mm -hmm. them. It's not about the self, right? Yeah, and family. It's about everyone else. Like even like, you know, Saudi Arabia, like kingdoms, right? Like they're 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 much more about the good of the community versus just solo good. Yeah. Because it doesn't do them that much like benefit if it, they're just great for themselves. They well, need that's to bring something that also together. I think ties back to all of us being Middle Eastern is like, I mean, especially, at least I can only speak for Iranians, but I know that they're very like family oriented, family first, like be considerate, be welcoming, be inclusive. Like those are qualities I carry probably because I'm not American. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I Take have care parent. of the elderly. Yeah. It's the, that's like a, I don't know, man. Do they have old folks homes in other countries? I actually don't know the answer to this yeah, question, I don't know. but I feel like it's like not really happening in, I mean, I know it's not happening in Egypt. There's no way. Like no my chance. family takes, takes turns yeah, take taking care, care of my grandmother 100%. and like she'll either move to my uncle's house right or my aunt will move into her house and like every kid of hers has the responsibility to take care of her and they don't take it as a burden they take it as like they might get annoyed like yeah <laughs> but, but not <laughs> as much yeah, yeah, as no. like yeah it's it's not like a huge deal it's right. just like well it's happening and like unfortunately it's happening but yeah but it's, it's a part happening. of your like yeah, yeah. It's not duty, but it is a part of your, it's your obligation. That, yeah. Like, and it just makes sense. So let me ask you this. So when you decided you're going to be a comedian and then you were like, I'm going to start this new TikTok series, what did your parents say? Your immigrant parents who kind of instilled this, like, do this by and work traditionally? Like, mm -hmm. what did they say when you kind of went off the beaten path and started something unconventional? Well, my, my parents have been fairly cool. Like my dad, so my dad passed away a long time ago, and that is actually what is tied to the show, which is, you know, you, you brought up earlier is that, like, I'm looking for wisdom from these drivers. And it's like, essentially, I'm replacing my father with the drivers. Like, that is really what the show's about. And my mom has just always been supportive of me no matter what I do. She's mom energy. Um, so, you know, and she, my mom is used to it because it's like, she's just used to it. She's used to the, not chaos, but like, the inventions, let's call it. And so she was like, I mean, same, she's like, very cool. <laughs> like that's what, she'll just say, very cool, you know? But like when there's an article or something, she'll text me, I'm so proud of you, son, or, you know, your dad would be so proud, or like you're living your dad's dream. Cause my dad, 
before he moved to Egypt, he was like in the Egyptian or before he moved to the States, he was in the Egyptian film industry. He was a stuntman and decided to move to America and become a taxi driver. And um, yeah, so, you know, I, I would say that generally speaking, anyone who knows me is completely unsurprised by anything that I do anymore, right. which unfortunately sucks for me because I love the surprise. But uh, <laughs> but I've had, yeah, there's like jokes in all of my group chats about like, they're just like, man, I miss this version of Kareem. You know, like I miss this, you know, this iOS downgrade to when he was, uh, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's, it's it, everyone's used to it. And it's kind of happening again. I started making music at age 35 so last year <laughs> and i was like because it's something i've always wanted to do and i've always wanted to be in a band and like i've just never done it and then i started putting out some music and slowly it got better and better and then all of a sudden like my friend tyler who produces my music is like hey do you want to do a live show and i'm like oh, i mean sounds fun and all of a sudden there's a band and all of a sudden i'm rehearsing and all of a sudden we release some music and it does pretty well and then i sent it to my mom and her response was you don't have to be good at everything. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you just don't have to be good at everything. <laughs> and I was like, well, does this mean you don't like it? I was like, yeah. have you turned on me? <laughs> like my mom has finally turned on me. And she's, I'm like, did you listen to this song? She's like, for about four seconds. And I'm like, okay, so what do you not like about it? And she's just like, she refuses to say anything bad. Right. But it's kind of like a, I don't understand why now you have to do this now. Like, what is this? Like, why? Where, yeah. where does this fit on the spectrum so, of output? You got really comfortable with identity shifts, right? You're, no, you're not tied to like, you know, being a marketer or whatever, vice, and you're not tied to your production company or a comedian or whatnot. You're constantly dabbling in new things, which is such an amazing thing to, to just like keep evolving. But I think especially when we talk about generations above us, it's it's much harder for them to understand how we could just like, be someone else tomorrow. Just change your mind. Yeah. Yeah, try on a different hat. Yeah, they're all very one try. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I mean, it's how it used to be. It's how it used to be. But my dad was a fiddler, like not the instrument, but he, was, yeah. he fiddled as well. Like, yeah, my a dabbler, dad, I call you know, it. yeah, a dabbler. Like, yeah. he was a taxi driver and he had a lot of other things that he did to make money and they didn't make sense. Like, one time he was just like a delivery guy for like organs, bodily. I've used two musical references, uh, <laughs> like organs. Like, he would drive a heart from like Minneapolis to Fargo. But this like happened overnight. Like I'm sure he just saw an opportunity and was like, okay. And then he did that for three years where he would like drive this van and transport organs from one hospital to another. But they were long haul. They were like three hours or four hours. But then he would, and then this is also like the comfort is he would just take me with him sometimes. Oh my God. Like I remember being in a snowstorm and driving from Minneapolis to Fargo, North Dakota is like a five-hour drive in a dangerous snowstorm, dropping off whatever was in the box and then driving home. And the only reason my dad brought me is probably because he was bored. But in his mind, it was the most normal thing in the world. And now I'm thinking about how like that has leaked into me because when I was biking over here, I was like, dude, if I have a baby, like, am I still going to be able to like make music or something? I'm not even having a baby. I was just thinking <laughs> about the future. And I was like, I'll just bring it to the studio. Like yeah. literally, I was like, oh, if we like, if we do, you know, if we're making music on Saturday, like baby, like a little toddler, he'll be fine in the studio. I'll, like let him 
fuck around with the instruments or something. Like, it, I think that like it's just like what are the rules? There are no rules. There are you just no do rules. whatever you want. And Literally I also do whatever think it's want. it's important because this is really top of mind for me. Like having a child in two months, it's important for your child to see your self expression and your you following your fun, mm-hmm. so that they do as well. And it's important to have your kids see you fall and get back up on your feet or like make a fool of yourself on like karaoke because then they learn that, you know, they don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me growing up in this like immigrant family was a lot about perfectionism. And it was like, you have to get the straight A's and you have to get this job and go to this school and all of that. And so now I think a lot about how do I stray away from perfection and showcase that like, we don't have to be perfect and then set that example for my child Mm -hmm. to then kind of, you know, take it's, in. it's interesting that you say that. It's like, I don't have that thing, that perfectionism thing at all. And even in high school, I was like, I'm gonna be a B minus student, not even B plus, not even A minus. I was like, I'm, I'm literally just gonna be a B minus student. And in college too. Like, I was like, that is my goal. And it's achievable. That is my goal. Yeah, it's achievable. I love and that. that's what I want to do. Like maybe B and a B minus. I think I think I was a B student, flat B. But I didn't even aim for an A minus. Or a B plus. I was like, I'm a B student. I'm going to keep it that way. It's a good work-life balance. <laughs> and that's not to say that I, like, with my work, I'm definitely striving further because I knew early on that, like, school didn't matter to me. And I don't think it matters at all, aside from, like, basic learning, like reading and math. And college doesn't matter except for understanding how to communicate and be around other people in my opinion but in my work like I definitely strive for the best I can do and I think that is an important qualifier the best you can do because there's a lot of resource constraints right and so like when I'm doing the taxi show for example it could be better probably I like there's there must be a way it's not perfect there's no way that it's perfect But I have a lot of constraints, right? Like I have five other things that I'm doing. I'm having my friends shoot the show and edit it. Like I don't cast the drivers. I just hail a cab and whoever I get, I get. There are ways to like enhance it, right? Like pre-screen the drivers and blah, 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 blah. Like use lighting. But like, what's the point? People like it. It's already a hit. What's the point? What's the point? Literally, what is the point? what is the point? There is no freaking point. It also takes away the authenticity of it and the spontaneity of, like, the whole reason why it's such a success is that aspect where it is, like, not planned and scripted, right? And so maybe it is the best it can be. Yeah. But we'll never know. But it's also, like, (laughs) I love that you said that because, again, it's not about being perfect. It's just about putting your best foot forward every Mm -hmm. single day. And instead of comparing yourself to others, it's like, how do I be the best version of my Myself that day better than I may have been yesterday. But it's not about like comparing yourself to someone else's standards or like a society standard that was like just inherent. I've, I've also been seeing a lot of great like Instagram videos and TikToks from like some of the greatest people like Orson Welles. I just watched this video this morning, like Orson Welles, who made Citizen Kane, one of the like regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time when he was really young. I forgot how old he was, but he was like, making a movie is not that hard. And he's like, especially like, you could learn it in half a day. (laughs) That's what he was saying. And this is like in the 50s or whatever. And he's like, it's not rocket science. Like, it's about feeling and emotion. But like, the making of it is not hard. Right. You know, and I'm and and like, he's like, the reason I'm good is because I don't have an education in film. And that frees you to do whatever you want. And that's how I approach all my work. I don't know shit about music. I don't know shit about filmmaking. I don't know shit about poetry. I don't know shit about business. I don't know anything except for what I think is cool or what I like or what I think should exist. Right. You know, but like, I don't need anyone to tell me anything. And like for any snobs that are listening, (laughs) I don't give a shit about like your filmography, like your film studies degree. I don't care. I watch movies every single day. And I'm doing my own lessons, you know, and I'm not, I'm certainly not watching how to make a film videos on YouTube. I'm just doing it. Yeah. You know, it's like that will also put you in this place where 
this like education thing. Like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I need more education. I need to learn more. I need to learn more. You learn by doing. That's how you learn. I don't believe anyone is ready. There's no such thing as ready. You You just do it. And I think to your point, I also believe that not knowing things is a strength because then you don't do it the same conventional way that every single person does it. You do it with creativity. You do it in your own way, which enables you to stand out. And ultimately, I believe, like, show your magic and be more successful that way. Like, have you guys ever had a podcast before? No. No. It was actually... We're in a professional-ass studio. Mm -hmm. You guys are using audio tools that I don't know how to use. (laughs) We got these fancy mics. You know your way around the studio. We actually needed to hear that. We got this nice tripod. You got that cool tripod. I was like, how do they shoot video? Like, the video looks pretty good. And all of a sudden, it's a tripod attached to a water bottle with a phone on it. Yeah, called Ringo. So it's like... Who's going to teach you that? Yeah. Well, that I think is like, there's so many things that have come up in you saying all this. It's like, it's first of all, really interesting because immigrant parents instill this idea of like, you have to get straight A's and you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or like, you're nothing in life. Right. Or at least that was like sort of the version. That was my experience. (laughs) And it's funny because once I launched this podcast, my parents were sort of like, whoa, but they're so proud. They're like, I can't believe... Like, they're like, wow, you took something that you really enjoy doing, which is talking to people and cultivating relationships and having deep conversations. And you're like doing something with it. And that's amazing. And I was like, it's so nice. And it's so funny because like they only instill that out of fear, right? Because they're like, we came to this country. We just hope that you can do better or like be comfortable. But something that I've noticed in everything that you have talked about, including your divorce, which Obviously, if you want to get into that, we can. But like, there's power in honestly quitting and not listening to what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a lot of like what you've been saying is independence and freedom and being free from, like, I love when you said embrace cringe because it's so true. Like <laughs> us listening to the podcast, we were both, <laughs> we were avoiding it at all costs. I was like, I do so not want to hear my own voice. I do not want to like... And then we listened to it and it was really good. Yeah, Yeah, and then you get used to it. But like, I think it's like, that seems to be a theme in your life. And I'm wondering if that's something that you always kind of had or like, were you always really confident? No. Okay. No, I was like fairly ugly uh, by (laughs) traditional standards, fairly overweight by traditional standards, didn't get girls, like had a lot of friends for sure. Like Mm -hmm. always have been, had a lot of friends. Yeah. Like always have been, I was the class clown, like sent to the principal's office all the time. And that was never a problem. But like, obviously when you're younger, you know, it's like, if you can't get girls, you're like a pretty much a loser. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so that, yeah, that reduced my confidence by a lot. And I wasn't always so confident in my decisions. Like this is all recent. I mean, I had like an, like a mental and emotional glow up as what I would say, I guess physical too. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's like it all kind of literally came in this like 30 to 33 year old period where I just said, I'm done pretending to be anything. I'm literally just going to be me. Sometimes I guess I'm still like, I'll like ask my girlfriend, I'll be like, do you you think people think I'm crazy? Because like my, she thought I was crazy when she, didn't know me yet, but was like on my Instagram. And she's like, is this guy psychotic? (laughs) But I'm not at all. She's like, oh, once you get to know you, you're like, so like, you're so different in real life, right? Because I'm very calm in real life, very mellow, like take turns. I actually don't talk to strangers, like as much as you'd expect me to be like the most outgoing guy in the world. Like I'm pretty just quiet. So yeah, it was not always like this at all. And I think the more I believed in myself and my ideas and the more I saw them be kind of um, not accepted, but like embraced, the more I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm maybe not wrong. Or like there are other people out there that think like me or some people like it, which is enough, you know, and I actually got a great text today from a friend and a fellow comedian. And we were talking about the show, The Bear. And I was like, I can't like, I don't understand why people don't like that show. And he said, if everyone liked it, it wouldn't be good. And I was like, shit, that is really good. That's Mm -hmm. a really good takeaway. Because like, it's so true. The shows that everyone likes, which are like 90 Day Fiance, let's say everybody in quotes. It's mainstream. It becomes mainstream. Yeah, it's just like, there's, yeah, there's a reason that 
anything that's polarizing or critical thinking is considered good by at least people. I don't want to like, not people like us, but like, I don't know how to say it, you know? But like, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that text today was like, it was like the first text I received in the morning. I was like having my morning coffee and it like hit me so well. And I've been thinking about it a little bit today, which is that if it was, if everybody liked it, it wouldn't be good. Yeah, I also think like, you know, Jasmine and I were kind of nervous to do this podcast, but we also were just like, we're putting our gifts out there and we want to make people feel less alone. And even if that touches, right, 10 people, we don't need it to hit the entire Mm -hmm. masses like so that everyone knows about this. But it's like, it's like by putting yourself out there, there's a community out there who really resonates with what you're saying, with your show, with your whatever you're doing. And that's still very, very valuable. I think once you think about like the world making you successful and all that, that becomes overwhelming. And then, you know, 99% of people don't act on an idea and they lack execution Mm -hmm. because of the thought of like the the kind of massive big picture instead of just thinking about like putting it out there for Mm -hmm. your own fulfillment. Well, and then also you end up not putting things out there if you're so concerned with everyone liking it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, it kind of sounds like your early midlife crisis was... I like that we've decided. Yeah, or late quarter life crisis. (laughs) (laughs) I think we sort of had the same thing. We were both sort of like, we're doing all the things. Like, we get the jobs, the husband, the this, the baby, whatever. Like, why are we just so unfulfilled? And like, similarly, I'm like, I don't want to work at a nine to five all day. Mm -hmm. Like, I just not for me. Like, we're always like, we like people. We don't want to be behind a computer. I don't want to be checking my email all day. That's just not what brings us joy. And obviously, like, I think that's kind of the beauty of our day and age is we are we've been freed mm-hmm. to make money in really creative ways. Totally. I think that's something definitely of our generation. Well, the Gen Z, especially the new generation coming out now, it's like going coming back out, to like they're like, like they're the new iPhone. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> the new iOS. Well, like literally what Kareem was saying earlier, it's like, you know, education doesn't matter as much. Like the course that you took that it doesn't matter as much. You can start something just because you want to start something. And if you don't anything, have to have, it's become, I think like Well, it gets you stuck in the like, I'll be ready when I will be happy when I will be like this when. And I know like I've personally gotten caught in that a lot, like whether it's with a relationship, if I really wanted, you know, to find love or if I really wanted to find fulfillment or I really want. And I think that's a part of the fallacy of why we like started this podcast in the first place Mm -hmm. is we were like, that's just bullshit. You guys are great interviewers. So you should be very. Thank you. You're an amazing guest. We're having a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, and and like, I don't know what your reason for doing it is aside from you like doing it, but like, there's also this thing that like, like you don't have to monetize, like not every hustle, not everything yeah. has to be a side hustle. It's like also, sometimes you can just do things. Can we debunk like hustle? Like, because it's like people always say side hustle, but like, I'm not hustling doing this podcast. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying don't turn it into yeah, a side right, hustle. Right, but that's what I mean. Like, but like when people always say, oh, is that like your side hustle? Because I have my own company yeah. and I started a podcast. So I'm like, people are like, oh, is that your side hustle? I'm like, no, it's my passion project. Yeah. It's, like, it's something it's I enjoy. Something it's I enjoy doing. Fun. That's what I'm saying. But like we, yeah. we it's right. for your own joy. Exactly. It's not to make more money or to like become you're not like oh i'm gonna be the next alex cooper or like we're gonna sell our podcast for yeah. 60 million dollars like you're doing it I with mean, the intention if we did of, sure of course <laughs> those things happen when they happen yeah but like they do happen a lot out of the non-effort to do that totally you and know? that's like that's it's, again it's like not relying on the outcome it's the journey like, and also journey on external fun. validation in some way and like the, yeah, there's like, you know, you you saying that about the journey is like another thing I've been thinking about, which is so funny and completely just like random. But it's like, I think about all of these cliches. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the journey is the destination or like, you know, it's like <laughs> you dude, just have them running through your head. At all well, times. what I realize is that, the, is that they're cliches because they're actually true. It's like they're universal. Stuck in the mud yeah, they're universal truths. Those are universal truths. And that's the reason that they're cliches is because they're true. And everyone's like, I don't want to be cliche. And I'm like, you should be cliche because it's actually the truth. Yeah, well, there's like a reason. But um, okay, I wanted to ask you this because I know that you've brought this up in I think one of your comedy sketches, but this whole like, I call it blue check culture. 
mm-hmm. where like people she coined this term today blue yeah check culture. well i yeah because okay i like it i'm using it there is there is blue check <laughs> culture right we are living in a world Guys, we're talking about the blue check mark on instagram on instagram just, or tiktok or, or whatever or net or no, i was gonna say netflix <laughs> Uh, I would love that soon to be (laughs) Um, no on Twitter which you know might change or whatever but like that's a real thing right all of us are are immersed in it like you can't help you can't help it when you see a blue check you're like oh are they more important than me are Mm -hmm. they more important than most people that they're not average right should I take their recommendations blindly because they have like do they have you know whatever what is your relationship to that and in general I think wider lens like from the hour we've known you. I feel like you're extremely present, extremely personable. You've been talking about like making a point to be in your community and like really speak to people and see them and, and, you know, be present with them. What is your relationship, especially because a lot of your work is online, like Mm -hmm. with your phone, with your screen being distracted and with that inevitable, like blue check culture Mm -hmm. clout and specifics to the actual literal blue check. Yeah. I don't want them anymore for myself. Like I thought, I guess it's like getting your first job or being legitimized, but like for keep the meter running TikTok account, like I don't have a blue check mark. I don't want a blue check mark. I'm not going to ver. I'm not going to ask for a blue check mark Mm -hmm. earlier on in my career. I'm like, I need the blue check mark for a minute. Right. Like, but now you can take it away. I don't care because the, the work speaks for itself. But is that also because you're more internally fulfilled and you don't care what society deems as like no, verified? No, 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 no. It's just like, it's like, it's unfortunately exists and it does provide some form of legitimacy or verification, you know? And now, like, like I said, like now the work speaks for itself and I could do without a blue check mark on all platforms. I don't give a shit at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think because I'm in that position, I've also... I'll get a DM from a blue check and I'll just be like, oh, who is it? I'll open it and I'll be like, I don't care or know who this is. And they have no, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, totally. it kind of, it just, it has lost its allure because you just realize that everyone with a blue check is also just a random person yeah. that has has somehow gotten a blue check. But like, I don't care. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but in terms of like, phone addiction heavily heavily addicted yeah heavily addicted like nine hours screen time a day but i don't really work for my computer that much unless i'm like editing or something you're on your phone a lot i'm on my phone a lot but like mostly because that's how i work like i download like everything is stored in google drive i have google drive on my phone i download it to my phone i upload it to tiktok i upload it to instagram like i'm messaging on there like it's just where my work happens and mm-hmm. I'm sure I could sit at my office and do the same thing on my computer, which for me, it's like, it's almost like you're on your computer for eight hours a day or you're on your phone for eight hours a day. <laughs> which one's better? It's the I same thing. It's the, literally the same thing, but like I'm on the go. So I'm on my phone and I don't, I used to carry a laptop. I, I, I was freed from it by hanging out with Gen Z's. They don't carry fucking laptops or iPads. They have phones. And that's another thing that I, think is very important as an as an old person um <laughs> is is like reverse mentorship which you know i have found a lot of knowledge and experienced a lot of new things and have had my eyes opened to a lot of new things by hanging out with people younger than me and i think they also get you know perspective and insight from me and it's not a formal thing Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm like, hey, would you be my reverse mentor? <laughs> it's just like I meet a young person who has like who reminds me of me or something when I was young. And I'm like, I enjoy hanging out with them. I'm not like I'm going to take you under my wing, youngin. I'm just like, let's, you know, let's make something. Let's hang out. Like, let's text. We're texting, sending memes. Like, I just treat them like my friend. <laughs> It's probably a lot of memes and emojis in those conversations. I don't know why this is cracking me up. Like, I'm not <laughs> you, like, vetting these, like, Gen Zers and being uh, like, like, you? Let's text. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't happen. There's no process. There's no, no like, I agree. I don't, like, them. I don't put it on Instagram and say, like, hey, looking for a reverse mentor uh, a- I actually would like, I, I will say, even for our podcast, I was like, we need to find a Gen Zer to edit our video content. Like I was so I didn't find one. So if you have any mentors well, that do that video, that might content, just become a friend. 
Wait, totally. But I was start like, with looking for a friend. <laughs> That's true. It's like follow your friend. Put, it, put it on Instagram and say looking for a young friend. Yeah. Preferably female. And then, by the way, we could tap into their audience. <laughs> you what? We could tap into their audience. No, you don't want to monetize the friend. <laughs> no, no, not monetizing. Just, just tap into their knowledge base. You should start a program. Reverse mentor program. <laughs> I think it's the funniest thing, but you know what actually happened? So it's funny that you're laughing so hard because someone did this to me when I was young, but they actually sent me a link no. to an article and was like reverse mentorship. <laughs> application no no he was just like hey like this guy named paul this guy named paul that i worked with in new york times when i was 26 or something and he's like hey he literally sent me an article and was like there's this like would you be my reverse mentor and i was like of course so are you still in touch no it lasted for like six months because we weren't friends that was like a really oh because you weren't real friends no he was like a guy at the office that was like you and you're now 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 they're just my friends how many do you have a lot. Really? I have a whole stable of them. We, I would love to. I think we should also have some of them on our podcast. I mean, I have one. I have. Yeah, I have a lot. I, I agree. I think we need to see everyone as an opportunity to learn. Like, I think everyone has wisdom. And the elderly, too, by the way. Like, I actually think <laughs> so you have so much. No, That's like, what I just referred to myself Like, people as. who are, like, much, that. much older, like, if when you volunteer at, like, elderly homes or whatnot, I just feel like they have so much wisdom oh, and so yeah. much to share with you. It's probably similar to, like, when you go into the cab, you have so much wisdom there. I wanted to ask you something about um, Keep the Meter Running. So... Like, how do you get them to be vulnerable with you? Like, how do you, or is that, I know it's completely unstaged, but I think it's also inherent in your personality. Like we're talking right now and like, I feel like I can share a lot with you because you come off as like, not going to judge, really open, secure. Like you give off this like energy that makes me feel comfortable to share. So do you think it's just that in your personality or is there something that you do to like make people open up to you and share about their childhood and their favorite places no i don't know what that thing is to be completely honest with you that's just a gift uh i don't have it like i wish i could answer the question no <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's an amazing answer that's the though. truth is like you're leaning into I your hate, magic i hate yeah i don't want to call it a gift i don't even want to call it like it's just the way i am and i think some people are just like that and some people are not like that and Maybe it's a warmth. Maybe it's a vulnerability. Maybe it's the fact that I'm like exposed and they can see it. I don't know. I really don't like, I wish I knew. People have asked that question. I'm like, I don't have an answer. And not just about cab drivers. It's just like about people in general. Yeah, like, you definitely have that gift. But I don't know what that is. But it's, I also I think, think some people have what it. you said, what you just alluded to is that by you putting yourself out there, right? By like getting into a cab randomly with video cameras that takes a level of like courage too on your part. So I feel like once you start being vulnerable and open with someone, it's much easier for them to be vulnerable mm -hmm. with you. And then you kind of create this like deeper relationship and you can probably get much deeper content than if you were to just like, you know, stand on the street corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, it's a true gift, it's whatever a, you're doing. So a, keep doing that. It's like one of those weird questions. I like, have a question off of that. How is... I can imagine doing a show like this because you're also learning a lot. But how has that changed you? Like, how has it changed your perspective? Because I think it's like something really cool and beautiful about it, which kind of goes back to what you're saying about your dad. And I feel similarly about my dad is like being able to connect with someone on this really vulnerable level in a world where we are living in blue check culture. We are living on our phones. And like what you've created is being face to face and having intimate, real moments with people who like, probably aren't caught up in that and like just having real conversations with people and like gaining wisdom from people that, you know, aren't putting it on Instagram, but have a lot to share with the mm -hmm. world. How has that kind of shaped you or changed you? I mean, there are literal takeaways, right? Like I was with this guy, Abram, who's like an Orthodox Jewish guy. And I was like, what's the secret to a happy marriage? And he's like, buy your wife flowers every Saturday. And I'm like, okay, all right, and like right in the day. And now I like, I mean, not every Saturday, but like as much as I can remember, it's it's in my mind that like flowers equals happy. And I bring them home to my girlfriend and she's so happy. And I'm like, that's so weird that it like just works like that. Like it is working, you know, and it's it's just weird 
how like these little nuggets of information that just like in my mind I'm like flowers are lame. <laughs> They're like <laughs> cliche. They're played out. The and cliches it's like, are cliches. Exactly. But like it's great. And you know what? I like the flowers. I like looking at them. They're beautiful in my house. Sometimes I look at them. I'm like, I can't believe these colors are not invented. Mm-hmm. Like these are these exist. These are, this is mother nature. The beauty and simplicity. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so it's stuff like that. And then it's also stuff that's more like kind of like coincidental or what's the word? I don't remember the word. Not a coincidence. Synchronous. Yeah. Kind of like that. Like Kismet. Yeah. You know, and I think it's like, it is the cliches. It's love. It's religion. Whatever it is. It's spirituality. It's family. It's the simple things. It's also validating for me to hear that almost all of the drivers value freedom as well. Mm-hmm. That's the number one answer for why are you a taxi driver? It's like no boss, go on vacation whenever the fuck I want to. Independence work comes for back full circle, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's like, oh, they're like, <laughs> they're freelancers, you know? They're they're literally yeah, looking and, for the same thing. Yeah, and they're human. And the reason that they don't do Uber is because they have a boss, and you know who that boss is the fucking customer that can leave a rating or a review or mm. report them or whatever. They're like, why would I do that? Why would I get in an Uber when all of a sudden the person in the back seat? has the power now to like destroy my day or destroy my week or destroy my living. And in a taxi cab, they, you know, more or less do a great job of taking you from point A to point B, but they don't owe you shit other than getting you to the place. That's it. And so it's also validating in the sense that like, I've always spoken with cab drivers similar to your dad. I won't sit in the front seat. Um, (laughs) but, uh, But like, it's validating to me that that I had a hunch that I would learn something, that these guys had wisdom and that these guys knew something that I don't know. And to actually experience it, it feels like, yeah, it feels like I'm fulfilled in, in, in knowing that my hunch was the right hunch. Yeah. You know? And there's like, I never, ever thought in my entire life that this would be the hit, right? Like, this idea sat in my pocket for five years. Even when I was about to make it, I was like, do I really want to do another like internet show? Do I really want it? Like, shouldn't I be focused on like being an adult, like get a career, like in TV or film, like do something real, you know, go real. be in a movie, be society's, in a TV show. Like, society's society's real. Yeah, don't, don't like go make another fucking TikTok show. And I also thought it would be something like less... Bordaini, if you want to call it that, less about like presenting and less about food and less about culture and more about downtown it boys and whatever, right. like Nolita. But I feel way more at home in doing the show and way less of an imposter or a tryhard doing the show because it is like me it's just me yeah it's just my thing that has been the greatest gift that is like the real kind of like like i said this is where i feel like i've arrived at where i've always meant to go or meant to be and now whatever happens kind of is like a cherry on top i feel like what i mean this is my observation and knowing you for this hour and having so much fun and what you're talking about it's like you have soul And I feel like this show has soul. Like, it's not just like a TikTok show for a TikTok show. Like, you're putting the spotlight on people with soul and like culture and food, like you said. And it's like such a different, it's like opened up, I feel like, so many avenues more than just probably what you expected. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. And I think actually like our podcast has a very similar ethos. Like, we wanted to pull back the curtain on what the real meaning of life is and like fulfillment and like, is it always about money? Is it always about the blue check? Is it always about Forbes 30 under 30 or all the bullshit that we're not to say that's bullshit. I don't want to discredit that, but like just, you know, the things that were kind of, yeah, the labels and society's ideas of what's making it right. Mm -hmm. And a big part of our thing was like, we want to pull back the curtain on the fact that it's like, you can you know, be this super successful CMO, but you still have insecurities and you still have challenges and you still question and you still doubt and fear. Mm -hmm. And you can have, be a cab driver and feel really fulfilled. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And feel really free and independent. And I think it just shows, it's just like pulling back the curtain on humanity and like the human condition. They're also so layered. Like, it's so crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like, they're just like us, you know, but like, I am surprised every single time that I talk to a cab driver and this guy, Isaac, I recently had an episode with, hung out with him for three hours. And then over lunch, he uh, he's like, I'm going to Ghana because that's where he's from. And I was like, oh, cool. What are you doing there? He's like, oh, I got a little business out there. I was like, oh, you know, you haven't mentioned this in the three hours that we've been hanging out. I was like, what's the business? He's like, I do bottled water. And wow. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I have a bottled water company. I was like, you have a bottled water company in Ghana. So cool. And I was like, how'd you get into it? He was like, I was on Alibaba and I found something called a reverse osmosis machine. So I started like Googling it and then I dug a huge well in my house. And <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, this is like, this makes sense. Like we we think that we're so special because like we're doing all these things. Like, totally. look at us. Like we have a, you know, we, we have a podcast. And we, do, and we do TikTok shows. And I'm also like in a band. It's like main character yeah, syndrome. So was that guy. You know, that's like, I think the point is like yeah. we're it's just all a bunch of fallacies and mm-hmm. make believe rules and like what's the point? People should do whatever they want. Yeah. So on exactly. that note of what's the point, we end every podcast with what's your point? My point is that you should have fun. That's I think that's the main lesson. Just have fun. Yeah. Let all the things, all the good things come from fun. Love comes from fun. Money comes from fun. Enjoyment of life comes from fun. Fun comes from fun. All paths that start at fun end up somewhere perfect. So stop chasing everything else. Chase fun. I think you'll get to where you go. That is the best That's advice I've the ever best gotten. Answer I think we've gotten. <laughs> yeah. So simple, but so perfect. Kareem, thank you so much. This was this such is a fun so conversation. Fun. Fun. Hey, look, it's fun. We, we had fun. We had fun. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank yeah you put so me much. in touch with your reverse mentor. <laughs>